Hello and welcome to the Three Things Podcast. I'm your host, George Hooker, and this is episode 13. This week we have composer and guitarist Sebastian Pecksnick, who's going to tell us three things about film scoring. Hi, Sebastian. Hi, George. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. I was born in Buenos Aires some time ago, and um, I just moved to Berlin three years ago. I'm a composer. I mainly write music for film and moving pictures. That means advertising, theater, and audiovisual media in general. I'm an orchestrator, and on the side, I'm a guitar player. When did you first start playing music? I reckon uh, on my teen years, I I grabbed a few chords. I actually was singing in a band uh, and playing backing guitar on it and everything started quite as, as, as a game like I, I I wanted to study philosophy and psychology as a major and music was going to be my hobby mm-hmm. I was uh, really into magic then I know it sounds like magic tricks like magic tricks like yeah. car tricks and so me on me too actually when I was a ah, teenager really yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that, that was actually like I was I, I was really amazed by, by these David Copperfield shows where he would kind of like do the, the musical number and like he would use, I don't know, like banjolis and, and, and fly. And I, that relationship between the story and, and, and the music became something important, I reckon. Uh, was it a guitar then that you first picked up? It was. It was. Like, funny enough, then um, I really started late to, to, to study professionally. I started when I was 19. Uh, Actually, one year later, as what should have been, as I started at the university, studying all those things, and uh, suddenly I, I decided this is wrong, should be the other way around. And so basically I dropped psychology and uh, got registered in the conservatory, and I thought I wanted to wear leather pants and play like Slash. <laughs> that didn't turn out to be the case. Thank yeah. God. You you had the hair for it anyway. I had the hair for it. Yeah, cheers. And um, yeah, the leather pants never suited me fine. <laughs> but but the solos, I was into those. Yeah. And then uh, uh, philosophy and psychology became your hobby, or did yeah, I, I enjoy reading as much as, as the next guy. Like I read uh, a lot, and I enjoy it. But music became my life. Mm. Do you bring those things into your music? Oh, for sure. I try. I, I try to, to nurture from different... Pers- I, I'm a huge movie enthusiast, um, so I watch films all the time. And I try to read when I can. And of course, like all of those things influence the person I am. And if they influence the person I am, they influence my music as well, I reckon. And uh, was it something specific about guitar that like brought you to that? I'm very ashamed to say, but... It was the girls. <laughs> I, I thought um, no, it, it's 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 a joke. Um, guitar was was the the instrument that made me fell in love with music. Had I known then what I know now, like I probably wouldn't have started with the guitar. Mm-hmm. I reckon I would have played the cello or the bass clarinet. Mm-hmm. But hey, you had to start somewhere. And uh, the truth is, the 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 nineteen year old version of me didn't like classical music at all, which is mental now because it's my life what kind of music were you listening to then oh uh, the list is long but I would say Zeppelin Doors mm-hmm. um, 
That's Guns like N' Roses. Uh, 60s, 70s, yeah, rock. Like, yeah, all, all classic rock and heavy metal. And then uh, was there a point where you started getting into classical music? Yes, actually. Um, I started to get into classical music through jazz, which sounds a little bit contradictory. But I wanted to play rock and roll. And <clears throat> suddenly I discovered this guitarist, uh, Pat Metheny, and whom I got to meet actually a few years ago. That was that was great. But um, like I discovered his music and I thought like, wow, this is really, really cool. So I started to get into jazz and, and then I started to get into tango and I met Piazzolla, who is an Argentinian famous, he was an Argentinian famous composer. And through him, I discovered classical music like at my early 20s. And uh, so I had to go back and say like, wow, everything that I thought I knew was was wrong. Mm. Well, what was it about classical music that like lit a fire in you? Uh, the the ability to express emotion without words and and kind of like being unequivocal, compelling and just just to commit to to a story into to an emotion to an expression that it's quite universal. Like uh, <clears throat> I was um, writing music for a big band when I was studying, and um, I remember once we had like. A guy from Venezuela playing a guy from from Mexico, a German guy, and then a Russian guy. I don't know, like I don't remember how this concert got together, but it was like a really weird stuff, and no one could speak with with each other. And then when 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 I started conducting, like we were all playing under the same roof, and that's music. That's music right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what what kind of got you into the composition for film? I guess it's easier to go back to that moment. Now, I, I was not really sure then. As I said, I wanted to play like rock and roll and I thought a rock song could change the world and I was going through those feelings. And I mean, um, maybe a rock song can change the world. Maybe it can. Like I, I certainly changed my world and if I, I'm able to influence, even if it's just one person, it can... No, it's just like the snowball effect. But mm. I guess... What I know now is that, for example, all these teen years where I was watching David Copperfield and all these magicians, and they were doing these musical numbers, and I fall completely in love with the idea of music and a story. And I and I reckon now that like, the story of Rocky or Back to the Future and just like those stories with, with where a musical theme can make you jump out of your seat and then like, oh, God, they made it. And... <laughs> Yeah, it adds a whole extra kind of layer to the to the emotional story, maybe. Gosh, it's fascinating. Like the relationship between music and story. I think I think that's my sweet spot. So, Sebastian, we asked you to bring three things. Uh, what are your three things? So the three things we set up on to to do were composition, story, and purpose. So let's start with composition. Um, when did you first start composing music? when I realized I was a bad reader. <laughs> so um, so I was studying music and um, I, I discovered improvisation and I, I quickly fell in love with, with that idea. And What was it about improvisation that you uh, fell in love with? Well, I think, I think it's, it's the essence of language because like when you speak with people that, that they, they don't know about music or improvisation, they, they come to you and say like, wow, and you just did that in a minute and like on the fly and 
it's a true untruthful truth to that, which is like, for example, we haven't prepared this interview. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm not sure what you're going to ask me. You don't know what I'm going to answer, mm -hmm. but we are communicating mm -hmm. because there's this agreed language that we're using together. And there's a similarity to that with improvisation. It's just, it's not that you're creating everything at the top of your head, rather than it's a language that you're able to, to interact mm -hmm. at, the, at a live situation. And I thought that was amazing. And I started, I started to notice that even when I was reading some music, I was trying to make some small changes to, to the score. Not because I thought my suggestions were better, but were more fun to me to play them. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's how I started writing music. Do you remember your first compositions? I do. I do. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't bring them up now because they are very related to this 18-year-old me where I thought that a rock song could change the world. <laughs> so I reckon, um, yeah, they were kind of like rock and roll ballads yeah. where... Were you writing lyrics then? I was writing lyrics then. Yeah. And yeah. what kind of things were you writing about? Well, um, not to be cliche, but uh, love and... Uh, solitude and changing the world and hope yeah. or sadness yeah the kind of the kind of things that a lot of uh, 19 year old music is yeah it's especially at that point in life when when you think you know it all everything already and and you just barely got out of the cocoon and um but but yeah it, it was it was amazing so nowadays like how do you start a new composition that one is difficult because um, I've been blessed um, with the opportunity to write for very different styles. Mm -hmm. So in my everyday life, <clears throat> I write a lot of music for picture and advertising and, and theater. And all of those become an element on its own in sense of I'm writing music to a story. So I need to, I'm, 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 I'm a slave to that story. Mm -hmm. That means that it's not about me or, or the music that I want to write rather than how can I help the story to be told. And sometimes you are trying to underline the text or the subtext. And sometimes you are playing to the things that are happening on screen or against those. Mm -hmm. And so it's a very delicate Balance. So you're, you have to leave every ounce of your ego behind in order to serve the picture. Mm -hmm. Whereas, um, well, you were just at, at the concert today and when you're writing music to be premiered, no, like music for, for, for a concert, it's just a difference because you are writing music that's going to be played live and the only center of attention is the music. So you, you don't have any other elements There's to consider that you're... you're yeah, yeah what, a, lot, a lot more freedom in that. Yeah, like freedom would make you think that the other one is bad. Mm. But in a way, there, there is like you're only limited by your capacity or like I'm, I've been blessed to be commissioned music by people far more talented than, than me as an instrument player. And that means that I can write whatever they want and they have to play it. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> the power. <laughs> yeah, so it's just like, no. You can play it. I, I cannot, but, but you should. And so kind of like, I'm not going to have to study. Yeah. But like, it was funny because uh, my publisher asked me to record a video of me playing one of those pieces. And I'm like, what? Like, I cannot do this. <laughs> I thought I was never going to have to. So what kind of constraints are, are on you then when you're composing for a film? Um, 
Like, would you be given guidelines or is it just an open box? Now, I should, should know. know. <laughs> I should know. I should know. Just uh, to tell the audience, uh, myself and Sebastian have worked together before on a on a film. He composed music for a documentary <laughs> of mine. So we've been through this. But for the audience, uh, where does it start? Uh so, for example, when I'm writing music for for a film like yours or, or or any other, so the first thing we do is like we sit and talk about mood and and the topic, and maybe they will have an an edit of the film, or maybe they will just have a script or 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 nothing or a finished film. Like you can have it in all of those. So for sure, like the stage at what at what they call you at is going to influence how much you can also influence the film. Mm-hmm. Like like I was blessed to to have worked with you where you kind of like even took some of my my suggestions to to make an edit here and there so to make like this musical and that doesn't happen all the time. So restraints would be I think sorry l- let me switch the question to to another way. Mm-hmm. So basically you can work with directors that they have a very clear idea of what they want. And that's brilliant because there's no waste of time in the sense of we don't have to 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 discover it together. They know what they want and you just have to be there for them. So you're a part of that storytelling team. That's amazing. And then you have other directors like yourself that come with an idea and they are completely open. And then, for example, we ended up discovering together what the film was about. And that's amazing as well. I think that the most difficult is when... They think they have an idea, but they are not really sure. And basically, you have to be a little bit of the experiment rat mm-hmm. in the sense of you, you have to find the film together, but through a lot of trial and error. Maybe you're fighting against an idea that's already half-formed. Exactly. And and then kind of like the dangers of that is, so there comes another restraining factor, which would be, time sometimes like for example when we work together like we we had like this two months time frame Mm -hmm. sometimes it's much less Mm -hmm. sometimes it's much more and so like time could be a restraint or money Mm -hmm. like um especially nowadays where where, like all the demos need to be at the highest quality to be able to convince the producers or, or the directors of that element and so basically Sometimes you have to bring the musicians twice or mm-hmm. thrice, and that costs more money. Yeah. And so money can be an, a restriction, but it can also be, I know it sounds cliche, but it can be a blessing as well, because sometimes you are forced to think out of the box. Just like, yeah, even if we had like like an unlimited budget, like do we need like the full orchestra? Mm-hmm. Like, for example, for, for our film, the film we did together, um, like an orchestra wouldn't have been the solution. It would have been too much. It would have been too much. And, and like the quirkiness of, of the film and the story we were trying to tell um, would have not been conveyed through music. Uh, so it's would have been an overstatement. Or, yeah. So those constrictions actually can make life a bit easier sometimes because you're, they, not, you're not looking at a blank page. They can. The problem is when they want something that, that you cannot... For example, now it's kind of like if you want to do like one of my ultimate favorite scores is the Schindler's List. And so for that score is you don't only have the best composer alive, which is John Williams or one of the, mm-hmm. 
best. And you also <clears throat> have this amazing orchestra with one of the best violins in the world, Itzhak Perman, with one Stradivarius. So it's just like the, the, the sum of all those parts make the score mm -hmm. unbelievable. And if you're trying to create that, like the same, 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 same sound with 100 euros, it's very it, it, you're, you're going to struggle. Um, so what about like when you're when you're building the palette for the for the music like what would you first start with would you start with uh, um, a style or like certain instruments I suppose it depends on the project yeah I'm sorry not to have like a more direct answer but for sure it depends on the project and all these other facts like time uh, money and uh, style so for example <clears throat> to tell one I, i'm going to use our project as an example so it's just fun between us yeah, as well yeah. but i remember like you, you you had like a couple of suggestions and i saw the film over and over and i remember it started with with a big crazy statement mm -hmm. and i thought like if we use this music that that you originally envisioned for it I thought no one was going to believe that this person was saying what he was saying as a true comment and not as a joke. Mm -hmm. So I thought we need to make them think like, oh, this is what it's all about. So like we agreed on that. And then what I did for, for it was, um, so I wrote a few motives and, and I brought them all together into a, kind of like a small suite, a, a small collection of pieces where I could kind of like take inspiration from And it's very, very funny because <clears throat> what happened in our film is that that track never got used and the actual film, but all the motives are there, mm -hmm. sprinkled in, in all these different tracks. And um, so a few months ago, Warner just released that <clears throat> that soundtrack. I'm sorry. And um, and I remember I was I was going through all the files and I found that like the original, like the just piano version of that theme and I was just like can we please put it on the album and and they said like well okay boy like we, we'll put it on the album as well just if you insist and uh, yeah. yeah so uh, so what do you mean like what would be a, an example of a motif like say for example in, in the film we worked on um, well like for the film we worked on was an idea it was the idea of this uh, creation of this country mm. so like a motif It could be um, like Berlioz, like a French composer used to call it idée fixée, like, like a fixed idea. And Wagner used to call it like a leitmotiv. So basically is the musical gesture to a thing, a person, a place, a situation or a feeling. Like it can be related to whatever you want. And sometimes if you use it wisely and, and, and you sprinkle it over the film, at some point you can think about what this element is supposed to be representing, even if it's not on screen. And that, it, it can be quite powerful. So what are like some of the biggest challenges when you're writing a piece for um, outside of time constraints and money and that kind of thing? Like when you're actually sitting there and you are actually writing the music, um, what are like the biggest challenges in that? I think... One of the biggest challenges is don't let your ego be a part of of that piece of music. Sometimes you you start you you, you start with an idea and then you start falling in love with that idea. And sometimes you have to stop and, and question yourself: Is was this the right idea? Am I am I 
am I following the piece of music that I'm wanting to write just because I love that idea that I had? Or is this the music that the film really needs? Mm -hmm. Sometimes silence can be a great, great tool. So if you're underscoring everything and there's no silence, sometimes music loses power. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you leave like a big silence and then music comes again, it, it can change everything. But on the other hand, sometimes music can help you to give pacing and structure and connect different edits and, and points. And That silence can um, let, the, let the film breathe, give people a chance to, to soak stuff in or, or reset, even... Yeah. yeah. So what inspires you when it comes to a composition? Let's say like outside of scoring for somebody else. When you're writing just for yourself, just for something that you're going to play yourself... Where do you take your inspirations? And that's a, that's also a difficult question because <clears throat> uh, I've been writing a lot of music for for projects, and I think 2019 we were talking about this by at the coffee place. This is this been a, a very weird and great and amazing year, and so I've been writing music to a lot of different for a lot of different projects and. I think at one point I started to discover that all the music that I was writing was in purpose of something like the the guitar music publishers they wanted more music to to print out and such an honor to be able to write music for for this and I, you were writing music for these commercials and and or doing sound design for for them or just this other film projects or orchestrating for them and I think at one point I I had like a small little breakdown where I was just like I don't know who who I am musically in anymore and then thank god I remember a story so in 2010 I got invited to play in Leipzig um, a city in Germany it's the city of music basically it's the city where Bach lived and Mendelssohn lived and Wagner was born. Blah, blah, blah. No, it's just like this massive place. And I remember I was called there to play Piazzolla and, and Bach. And I was 25 years old. I was petrified by the idea of playing Bach in Bach City. So I remember I go to this concert and I, I don't remember anything else. Just the fact that I'm crying at the dressing room, <laughs> being so petrified. I play the concert. I don't have any recollection of of it whatsoever. I just remember that um, they take me for dinner after and so they drink a pint of beer, second, a third one, and that's where my memory comes back again. And um, It's usually the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But I was so petrified, like really, I was really, really nervous and I asked the, the organizer, uh, Joachim, what's his name? And I asked, Joachim, can I ask you a question? Like, Jesus, what were you thinking, man? Like, I can think of millions of guitarists that could deliver a much more flawless, better Bach than, than I have. And his answer changed my life. And he said something that, yeah, for sure, there were many, many just guitarists that could have delivered a Bach. We heard many of them. But a guitarist that is also a composer and an arranger and is in love with film music and plays tango and, and this and that, uh, we never heard of. And we were really curious and we're happy that we invited you. I started crying at that moment. <laughs> and I was thinking to myself, no, cry in front of the Germans. But I was I was showing every emotion possible. And uh, that made me think like maybe it's a good thing that I'm doing all and and basically coming back again to this year, maybe it's a 
a blessing that like I'm I'm giving like a little part of me and different bits of me to all these different projects. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I answered your question, but but that's yeah. Well, there's that's like, where we went. <laughs> there's there's little parts of you in all of it, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, what are the most important elements of good composition? Ooh, tough one. Mm-hmm. Like the books will tell you, music is about harmony, rhythm, and melody. I think that's not true anymore. I think music now evolved. Now, like technology helped us. Like, like now, like like this amazing drone and sound design. Now, like the the relationship between music and sound. It's more powerful than ever before. I guess if it's going to be music for a film, like like for example, like a melody, like a memorable melody, can change the world, can change so many people's life, like Back to the Future did with me. Um, but also if you put like your melody on top of some lines of the dialogue, you, you will never have all these kind of like classics. Oh, mm-hmm. cheers looking at you, kid, or whatever. So that means what makes a good piece of film music is to be proper to what it is that you're doing. So maybe a great melody, maybe a great harmonic change, but maybe just like a great sustain to everything that's happening on screen. It has to be connected. It has to be connected. If you're writing music for a story, you need to serve the story. If you're going to write music for 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 a live, then be sure not to fall in what what sells, mm-hmm. in the sense of if it's just like like technique is a great thing when it serves a purpose as well. So if you're just going to throw up a million notes at a minute, but they don't serve a story, at least at my taste. What's the point? What's the point? Uh, okay, so let's move on to thing two, story. Um, so why did you choose story as your second thing? Mm. <clears throat> because still to the date, I'm, I'm in love of the idea of being a storyteller. I think had I not been a musician or, or a film composer, I would have wanted to tell stories some any other way. Where does your interest in storytelling come from? I love films. I love films. Like, I, I wish I could look really cool and say, like, since I was five, I was reading all the... <laughs> That's not true. Like, I fell in love with reading much, much later in my life. But but films, I was really caught on since I was a lad. Sin- mm-hmm. Since I was a young lad, I, I, I would watch either the human cartoons or, or anything. And, and I just, just felt compelled to the story. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, you were talking about Back to the Future. What is it about Back to the Future that really, like, got you? Just the amazing idea of living in a world where time travel is a possibility, where this young teenager was able to to, to go back and rediscover Chuck Berry and, and kind of, like, see your parents fall in love. Or, do you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. just... 
Yeah, it's like uh, escapism, but also going on a going on an inner journey, I suppose. It's it's just like enhancing and and exciting every fiber of your imagination. It's just like all these realms and and worlds are possible. Are there types of stories that you're particularly drawn to? No, no. As 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 long as they are committed, as long as they are committed to 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 a point, and as long as as they are not just a vehicle to serve like an action sequence. Mm-hmm. Like like I I I I, w- I would enjoy an action sequence, but if it's just like an action sequence and kind of like a three second minute piece of story, just connecting them so you can skip on to the next one, like for me that loses a little bit of of the emotion. Mm-hmm. Whereas I prefer to sit like four hours uh, at a movie theater just like hearing every detail of this person's feelings and characters and surroundings and the world they inhabit and what's uh, what about the difference between like um film and advertising what do you mean i mean advertising wouldn't usually have uh, that much of a compelling story beyond this is our product and it's really cool true sometimes so do you have to go and find a story within within that or sometimes the story is that someone is telling about their product and like the great thing about advertising is that you get to play in all these ballparks and like for example only in the last month I've done like like a Hans Zimmer type of epic and like a just Frank Sinatra type of thing and on Wednesday, we were just recording uh, like a Broadway musical. And, and today you were playing classical guitar. And today I was playing classical yeah, So, um, yeah, so that's, that's basically what makes advertising for me is just like you can dip your toes in, in all these different waters. And, and it's just amazing because in, in, in what other, like if I'm writing music for a symphony orchestra and I would say, let me just bring a harp. They are going to play like, they are going to say like, no, just like get along with what you can. Like we're not going to bring like this extra special thing. Whereas in film, for example, you don't need any any excuse. It's just like in the scene, there's a harp nearby and you just put a harp to be to be obvious and redundant now. But And, and you can do it. You can get away with it. So how can you use rhythm to tell a story? Well, like the equivalent of rhythm in a movie would be pacing. No, it's um, like how long does a scene last? And is there any inner rhythm of a dialogue or not? And do you want to... Like rhythm has the... Rhythm and pulse are different things, like to, to be a little bit of a nerd musically now. And the great thing about... Pulse, for example. No, well, explain now what, what, what you mean by pulse. So like, like a pulse is a steady type of beat. Mm-hmm. So it becomes predictable. So if I start counting a pulse, then you start kind of like going and flowing into it. A rhythm is a group of combinations of accentuations between the silences and attacks in those pulses. Mm-hmm. So basically, the pulse would be your ruler. Mm-hmm. 
and the and the rhythm would be like the accents and the bits of things that come through in, in, that, be, in between the in between uh, that line and the great thing about so if you wanted to to convey monotony or or routine in your life so then you put a bit into it and then Dun, people dun, people dun, start dun, to understand dun. that there's a flow in that. No, mm -hmm. it's kind of like we see our, our main character doing breakfast every morning. And then if you do like a steady beat, <laughs> even if you do, if you use the jaws thing, like if you do like tan, 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 like you might think that something is going to happen, but it's kind of like you start to go into that. Whereas if you start attacking like in, in, in syncopations, like at the overture of, of Psycho, or Stravinsky's Rite of Spring. It's just like, oh, okay, like what's happening here? Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So the thing about, about pulse in a story is that, uh, or rhythm within a story is that it can help you convey predictability, can help you convey routine. And I love this German word, Gewohnheit. Now it's kind of like something you get used to it. And the great thing is that for example, in a, in a horror film, you can do like this, dun, 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 and then the silence after that. You're just expecting this bit to, like, like you're expecting the blow. Yeah, it's like so, a bated breath because you've been set up with that pulse. So it's kind of like um, these pulse can help you convey pacing. No, for example, you have a very difficult dialogue and, and the producers might think that, okay, we're losing the audience here. And then suddenly you put like like some music underneath. It can help the editor make like a proper cut on the on the film and and that way make it more easy to understand. For example, <clears throat> something beautiful about film is that you have like this 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 face in, in the center of the screen. And what a lot of intelligent filmmakers end up using is sometimes you have like the reaction on the screen. So at the beginning, you might have like the quest, like the, the speaker is always on screen. And that ends up being maybe a little boring because sometimes the important thing is not the question, but the reaction. Mm -hmm. So the reaction can tell the audience what they're supposed to feel. Yeah. Or, 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 or the... where we are, like mm -hmm. whom, whom do we have to follow and why? Um, what about melody? How, how would you choose what melody to use? Again, sometimes it's not just my, my call. No, like it, it's, a as, I, as I said, like the most important thing about film is that it's, it's a teamwork and you are just uh, a team member. A collaborative art form. It's a collaborative art form. No, it's just like I'm as important as the color grader or the editor or the producer or not just us, but... Do you know what I mean? It's just, we are all players. Like we are all serving the same purpose, which is to try to tell this story. Like in our film, to to use as an example, like the first theme I wrote was the Liberland idea. Mm -hmm. Is because like it was my way, my way into that story. I thought if I can really believe that that what these people were trying to create, then I can follow this this character's journey throughout the film. And for me, that became like my anthem. So it was like the Liverland idea. So you don't just like easily judge them, just like they were trying to fight for that idea. 
wrong or right or like the best way or in a con way, whatever it is, but they were trying to sell that idea. And like for me, that was the way into that story. So of course, like it would have been an abuse if every time someone says Liverland, I would use my melody. (laughs) (laughs) But in a way, it's just like, I think you can glue the whole film together especially like in a two-hour film. You can sort of uh, subconsciously trigger certain feelings or emotions or expectations, I suppose. Yeah. Hmm. Um, And I guess it it sounds like you use music in a way to understand the world around you. Maybe not just with film. Does that make sense? Yeah, um, but that I would disagree if it's just melody. Sometimes it's an instrument. Sometimes it's the relationship the relationship between one character, they have the instrument. Sometimes it's evil versus, you know, mm-hmm. and um, or or the heroic feeling, or or not trying to excusing, but trying to understand why this person who we may not agree with is trying to do whatever this person is trying to do, and music can be a vehicle to reconciliate between our moral judgment of what we think is right or wrong and, and still being able to get inside these people's, these, these characters. S- still be able to relate to them, I guess. Yeah. Even if they're not necessarily. Because we have people. to care about them. Yeah. Otherwise, we're not going to spend two hours of our lives watching this film. We need to care about them at some point. That's why, like, now, I think now in television, it's the, the era of lovable bad guys. Now, like The Sopranos or Breaking Bad or Dexter or whatever it is that you're watching. And maybe without music, they would be pretty dislikable. Mu- music, and si- music and silence. But, but it's, it's, again, it's not just about the music either. It's just, it's just like the whole team working together and, and how the angle of the camera is, is being placed mm-hmm. or how fast... Are you giving me time to process or not? Or all these different elements that convey our commitment to this character. Okay, so let's talk about a specific um, bit of storytelling with music. And I suppose we can use uh, Operation Liberland, the film we worked together on, as, uh, as an example. So let's talk about one of the cues in Operation Liberland. So what, what cue would you like to talk about? Well, we spoke about the first one, which is one of my favorite ones. And <clears throat> I guess, to be honest, we could talk about two. I let you choose. Like one would be the price for a shower or um, one that could be very interesting is, well, still in my mind, it's Q25, 26, 27 of the film. Uh, but it's uh, the biggest mission, the final mission. And let's, let's talk about uh, a price for a shower. First. Okay. So, uh, so what was that cue about? For for me, well, we we had this character on on screen, and he was taking a shower, <laughs> as, as you do, as you do, but but under those conditions of 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 trenching and and camp and and living in a tent in Serbia, living in a tent between Serbia and Croatia, and um. And was this lovable character that we just met a few minutes before on on the screen, and 
he was just happy about being able to take a shower and he really believed in everything that 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 he was going to fight for and he was going to make the world a better place because he believed in that idea and i was so captivated by by him taking this shower in under those conditions and like really believing that i left every commodity behind to try to be a revolutionary mm-hmm. um so what musical elements did you uh, bring into that queue so for him we we ended up having a, a like a small melody and um but i think it was it was more so like the story at that point was was being serious we were i'm i'm not the, the, we didn't have like a bad guy or a good guy because it was um, a more neutral type of documentary filmmaking so we, we, you wanted and i i agreed that we should let the audience decide what they think of all of those characters the audience should make their own decisions so we didn't want to influence them but we had presented some situations that started to get really serious and then suddenly we had this 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 lovable character believing in everything it was a very teenage feeling like like it was a very like as i describe myself saying that a rock song could change the world and it's an innocence about it so there was an innocence about it and i think uh, like that small piece of music is kind of like a brush of like like a possum breeze and and mm-hmm. m- maybe it will be okay maybe maybe we should all believe in 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 that our small actions can change the world mm-hmm. M- maybe they do change the world or do you know what i mean mm-hmm. so that was that was one that was very dear to me and um the other one <clears throat> that it's just in the top of my mind as i mentioned is in this 25 26 27 which is the the very ending of the film so we see our our characters doing their last attempt to cross and get to this imaginary imaginary country, <laughs> this idea of a country that they were trying to create and they're being stopped and chased by the police. And it's a com- film composer's dream, basically, because um, we divide it into three for, for the purposes of, of being able to communicate with each other and... Um, understanding what point of the movie and and how this music was um going into that but it's one big sequence it's one one big musical sequence and we go through this kind of like flamenco type of fast pacing a little bit of kill bill type of um sequence into the moment where they realize that they failed or or they are not achieving what they wanted and so we went from that um, flamenco kind of fun energetic fun energetic like fast pacing uh, so so you know and 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 hopeful then almost hopeful and we ended up with this um dramatic not dramatic but but this uh, like um like string quartet that that's so fragile and and basically makes you think like ah, no is is and 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 we see the characters on screen like 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 realizing that they are trying to fight the like this bunch of people they are trying to fight the police and uh, there's no way and then we go to the final cue which is like one of 
your best shots. I think um, we we always this. So for the audience, we had a discussion. George and I, like I told him that the poster of the film should be another one that the one he chose. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but this is just like a gorgeous shot at this at, at sunset, and we see the 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 boat, the police boat, taking these people away. They are being jailed, but it's such a beautiful shot. So I I was just like, oh my gosh, like should I appeal to the gorgeousness of that shot, or 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 should we? And and we we talked about it, and I think that was one of like the hard cues to. It's kind of between the the beauty of the shot. But also the sadness uh, of watching these people's dream suddenly fall Sunk. apart. Yeah, and but but at the same time, is like we don't. We, I remember when we talked about it. Like you didn't want to end up like on a sad note, not because you don't, didn't want to end up on a sad note, but it was we were trying to convey the story. Like maybe another option would be to think that what they were trying to do was illegal and this, this and that. So we didn't want it just to be like either tragic or dramatic or, and I think what, what we ended up deciding was to use this main theme, this the, the, the Liverland thing. And, and it starts kind of like one way and then like the beat comes in kind of like trying to say like, okay, so these are the credits and this was a story. And then we have like some, cards at the end basically explaining uh, who got arrested or what ended up happening a little bit. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, there's like a little mini journey there between those last three cues where we went from excitement and flamenco. That's a composer's dream right there because like we we got it all and it's just like not, as as I said, not like there's no ego to it and and you're, I I like to think that I'm a server to the story, but when the story lets you rejoice in the possibility of writing all these different music. So we went, like, I remember like this flamenco track with, with, with like, a, like a brass section and, and the guitars and, and the beat and the claps. And, and, and it's just like this fun, adventurous music. And you think like they are about to achieve it. And then we go into this uh, string quartet choral type of, slow-paced reflection moment. Like, I think we call that that cue is like a, a small breathe mm-hmm. or you no. Know? And um, and then we go to the end credits. It's just, it's just brilliant. Yeah. Right. So uh, let's talk about thing three, purpose. So purpose is a big word. Um, <sighs> I'm afraid of it. And the first question is a big question. Um, so what is the driving purpose of your career? <laughs> 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 I'm sorry. Sebastian's choking on some water, right? Now. We were discussing <laughs> like, the importance of staying hydrated. And, the well, fourth glass of water. <clears throat> Give me one second. No problem. So what has been like the driving purpose of your career as a musician? Um. like your ultimate motivation to actually do this? Because it's not easy to be to, to be a musician no. professionally. It's a lot of sacrifice. It's, it's, a, it's a huge sacrifice. And, and a lot of people, especially like nowadays with social media and um, like I, we were talking about some experiences. And so basically 
either you are the type of person who posts a selfie like this is me eating a sandwich which is fine it's, but it's not who I am like for me social media is is a tool to to share mm-hmm. music and stories and, and art and <clears throat> and then my thoughts mm-hmm. to whomever <laughs> I want to listen to them and um, I think If something changed between that 18-year-old me that wanted to write a rock song to change the world was to understand that maybe a rock song cannot change the world and <clears throat> maybe the world doesn't want to be changed. But if I can reach someone, as, as so many influences reach me, and I think, I hope, they made me the person I am and a better person every day. So if I can touch at least one life and, and may that just be by playing a tune that resonates. Like, for example, after the concert today, like someone said, you pl- I, pl- I played a piece and I talked about the composer's idea behind that, that piece. And then he said, like, my father died and I connected to that piece and made me cry. And it's just like, It's like me, an Argentinian guy with Polish roots that lives in Berlin coming to Dublin and touching this person in, in his most darkest hour. And if you can do that with music, with art in general, with the story, I think that's my purpose at least. And music is sort of a universal language as well. Yeah. Anybody can understand or can connect we we all beat as one like it doesn't matter what language we speak and which is still crazy though because like that's a very westerny thing way way of thinking like if we like in middle east or or like like in the far east or, like the conception of tune being on tune or not on tune is very different for us mm-hmm. the conception of a nice melody the construction of a melody or a phrase is very different to ours. How is it different? Well, they use like, like, do you know, like, for example, the Russian language and, and the English language, they use different, different letters, no? So the acrylic has like another type of alphabet and Eastern music, is a, this is like huge generalization generalization <laughs> <laughs> like western music is already like a huge general, but that one is like far it's, it's so unknown to to many of us in a way and i'd like to think that i try to reach out to those <clears throat> um but for example they use other scales and and other divisions of between like the the, the smallest distance between between two notes is it's But that's the difference, yeah. What about your daily life as a musician? Like, what's, what's a normal day for you? I think musicians and normal days don't really go <laughs> hand in hand. And so this would be... It's crazy because when you talk to your... I'm, I'm doing quotes, even though you cannot see them, uh, if you're hearing this. And um, normal friends that they have, like a, like a regular job... It's kind of like the grass of the neighbor is always greener. So my 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 buddies would say like, ah, oh, as a freelancer you have the ability, you can take holidays whenever you want, and you do this, and and you don't have to respect any hours. And if I were you, I would wake up at 
12 p.m. and just like, and that sounds all pretty lovely. But for us, like the idea of being able to say it's 5 p.m., ciao, like I'll, <laughs> I'll be back again tomorrow is just just a dream. So <clears throat> there's 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 no such a thing uh, as a normal day. You do have like your small routine. So if, if I'm working on, on a film, that may be like the main thing I'm doing there. If I'm playing a concert, that may be the main thing I'm doing there. The great and crazy challenge is when you have to manage all of those together. For example, like I was writing, like the, last week alone, like I, I finished like four projects um, as, as a composer, writer, orchestrator, whatever you want to call it. And I had to play today at the at the National Concert Hall. And like Wednesday was this crazy day where I woke up at 6 a.m., practiced an hour and a half of guitar, went to the studio, wrote and recorded this, this kind of like Broadway musical thing with my colleague. And I came back at 8, destroyed of the whole day, and I knew that I was playing today for 100, 200 people and... I needed to be at my best to be able to offer them something worth of their time. And and even though like what I just wanted was to go to bed, like I I, I sat there and practiced mm -hmm. for two hours more. So do you feel like you have to change modes in between <clears throat> when you're writing and when you're performing and um, when you're working with musicians? Is there like a different Sebastian I'm not sure if there's a different Sebastian, but for sure you have to learn <clears throat> you have to learn time management. If you're working with other musicians, you have to be very respectful of their times because it's it, like it's such a hard life. Like it's a great life. I don't want to make it sound but 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 it is a hard life of sacrifice. So you have to practice and and we're all juggling doing all these things that we want to do. Even if it's like, even if you're in, in a good year or in a good moment of your career, like I feel this is a great year, but still like a project comes and you're still afraid to say no, because if they call someone else, they might not call you again. And um, so even if you're like a beginner or, or like a professional, like you're going to be juggling with all these different things. Sometimes the conditions get better, but but you're still juggling with all these things and at least the way I am is I, I try to commit from the bottom of, of my heart to all of those and try to give my everything. It doesn't matter if it's a, a small budget or a big budget. Like if I say yes, I'll try to give my all. How do you stop yourself from burning out like that? I burn out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I, I, I've ever managed to not burn. Um, no, um, I realized that... Uh, Sport became very important to me. I'm not, I don't do much sport. I'd like to do more, but at least once a week, twice a week. Again, it's just like, it, that's even something that I'm not allowed to say because last week I haven't done any, any of it. It's just like, it was too much and you have to say like, okay, this time. But when you say sport, you mean actually like playing anything it could it could be like like a, a friend of mine he he breaks his routine at the studio with beach body or like like i like to to do like free athletics no uh, like um or 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 
jogging, like even just jogging. Like for example, music is a complicated, a complicated job <laughs> because in most jobs you can listen to music while you're doing your job, but I cannot listen to music while I'm writing. <laughs> um, um, so then sometimes it's just like, for, like for example, on Wednesday, like I was working on this tune and I heard it like probably a million times between 7 a.m. and, and 8 p.m. when I finished it. And it was just, we're talking about one minute piece of music. And sometimes you just need to switch off and, and listen to Massive Attack or or or, or it doesn't or, or the Berliner Philharmonie. It's, it doesn't matter. Like something, clean, yeah, like a clean, clean palette. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's your favorite thing about being a professional musician? Um, to be involved with with these stories, with like to be involved in this world of storytelling and in, in, in the creation of worlds or, or enhancing a story. Do you have any favorite instruments? Um, well, now that the guitar is not here in the studio <laughs> with me, I, yeah, I think uh, the cello is, is one of my favorite instruments. Um, the bass clarinet is another instrument that I love. Um, the ronroco, it's a, a great instrument that I fell in love quite recently with. Um, We're going to find out more about that <laughs> in a minute. <laughs> uh, yeah, the guitar as well. It's, it's, it, yeah. What is it about those those ones that um, attracted you? I think like the cello, I think there's, it might be a cliche, but it's just like the form, it's it's the, the definition of sensuality and, and, and like you can go the range of the instrument is is like from from aggressive to soft from from deep to high and it's 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 brilliant very versatile versatile yeah how how does it feel to have an instrument in your hands um it it feels like like um like an energy spender basically so it's just like you can irradiate energy and emotion and and for me especially like i told you at the beginning like doing this interview like when you have to expose your your soul it it becomes like a bit of an armor that the instrument's like a cloak that you can wrap around yourself yeah, yeah. what about listening to music um do you still listen to a lot of music um, I do listen to music, not as much as I would want to, um, but I do. I, I have a very, very wide palette, and usually I try to, at the beginning of a project, for example, I would listen to references and so on, and then because I will be working on that style, I, I will want to have a getaway of that. So if I'm working on orchestrating, uh, orchestrating a film, mm -hmm. so I'm thinking, even if it's sometimes um, more more pop. Again, I'm doing quotes <laughs> at a podcast, um, but but if I'm orchestrating, um, I will want to to then refresh my my, my palette, and I'm, I'm not going to listen to something that's quite similar. Mm -hmm. So I will go to massive attack if i'm producing a pop tune then probably i'll, I'll want to listen to 
Ella and Ella Fitzgerald and Louis Armstrong just to, to wind down or classic FM. Mm. What about your experience of performing? Like, what is it like for you to go up in front of people? What's your process? <clears throat> it's um, it's an, an interesting question. I, I actually never asked that to myself. But what I can tell you is that being on stage, well, there, there's many different ways of being on stage. So the one thing is when you're playing with a band or with an orchestra. So you're, again, it's not just about yourself. You're, you're a part of, of uh, a bigger, a bigger self. Even when you're conducting, no, like like a very fun question is like, what what does the conductor do? And you say like the the instrumentalist they play their instrument and the conductor plays the orchestra. And um, so if you're playing on a rock band or a jazz band or a classical ensemble or an orchestra, so you're being a part of a bigger version of of that self. When you're playing alone on stage, um, and especially when you're playing like this complex and um, not so not so flexible type of music then what I can tell you is that you are just a vessel and I rem I will never forget like one of my my professors said um don't be too concerned on on enjoying the music because you are trying to make the people in enjoy or, or enjoy or, or be involved with your music so Trying like to be I, audience um, focused. Yeah, like in the sense of <clears throat> I don't agree hundred percent with that, but I, I will never forget that because I, I I remember I didn't like to hear that at the beginning. And I was like, how can how come you say this? Like I, I if I'm feeling it, then they will feel it, which I still believe to the day. But again, like on the other hand, it's like don't let your ego be kind of like a self. Don't let your ego take over. Exactly. It's, it's, it's not. It's not just about you and yourself. It's, it's just like about you transmitting something to them. So it's like don't lose don't lose track of 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 what you're trying to do here. Yeah, it's, it's just like, like it's like we were talking about uh, music as a form of communication. Yeah. And it, yeah. So what communication is not just about one person saying something. It's about exactly. And for example, like at, at the concert today, like what I, I try to. To grab these people's attention and to make them a part of it, I think like like classical music nowadays suffers a lot from from this snobbiness of 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 these old traditions of of like this, you know like you go to see an orchestra and then the orchestra is there and they come and then the conductor comes and you have to clap three times and then they'll do this and they go out and three times and it's not engaging like it's great like I love classical music I I love it. And a lot of people can enjoy it, but for a lot of people that were not like classical music requires like a little bit more of a training to start liking it. And if you don't invite people to that, like that creates a little bit of rejection is that snobbiness of hmm, mm. giving your back to it. And like today you were telling stories. In my humble opinion, I, I thought like if I tell them a story about this piece and how it was created and what the purpose of, of that was. I'm inviting them to a journey. So I prefer not to sit there and just like rejoice myself of the awesomeness of what I'm doing or, or, or not doing, but trying to do. 
but let them like invite them to a journey. So it's like, hey, come with me. I'm going to take you somewhere. We will discover it together because like I, I like to think that I don't play the same concert twice. It's kind of like if I would play this concert now, it would be a different outcome. I'm not sure if better or worse. But different. But different. Mm. How do you experience music? I think as as we were just speaking, no, like the complexity of classical music, for example, just to use as an example. Um funny because we were talking about <laughs> Liverland and all this flamenco stuff and <laughs> now we switch to, to classical music. But the inex- inaccessibility of classical music is that is too much to take on. I think like on what in South America it's known as, as popular music, which is any type of folk pop, jazz, rock, funk. No, it doesn't, it doesn't, tango, it, it doesn't really matter. It's just like a an art form of popular music, which was brought um, by generally. Those, they have like a smaller form, like a smaller structure. And the type of, when music is called as tesitura, is like the texture of that music. It's more graspable in the sense of you, you usually have like a clear melody and like a clear accompaniment. Mm-hmm. In, the, in that accompaniment, you will have the rhythm and the harmony and so on. The difficult thing about classical music um, or some of the classical music or parts of that classical music is that sometimes all this polyphony of things going on take you away of, you lose track of how you feel this. No, it's just like imagine if you're following a path and then suddenly it's just, like all these many options, but it's not clear defined which is which path. Mm-hmm. And for me, like um, I, I I had like a workshop. I did this workshop, which was called like the joy of listening. And we we spoke about a lot about film music and classical music. But I was doing like comparison between Von Iver and 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 uh, Lady Gaga and Tchaikovsky. Mm-hmm. So. <clears throat> The complexity of that is that for Tchaikovsky, you need perhaps someone who can give you a few pointers, at least the first time, that then you, you get the hang of it. But to say, like, watch what the strings will do now. Look how the, the brasses will answer to that. Look at, no, like, pay attention to this, this and that. And when you ask me, like, how I enjoy music, it's a little bit of all of those. Like, sometimes I can lose myself in just being there and and feeling it and let it resonate in my body and sometimes i get more technical and say like oh that was great and it's just like when you're watching like a football match and and sometimes you're just like there like point blank and then something happens and then you're like oh that was like a gorgeous pass or whatever it was that happened how do you stay motivated well Let's put it this way. It's a difficult world and there's a lot of crazy things happening at this time. I like when Neil deGrasse Tyson says, no, like, how do you dare to think that the world is in debt to you? No, like, like you're just like this tiny being, this like huge universe of constellations of stars. No, it's just like we are an accident. And... If you start realizing that 
I'm going to quote um, Sylvester Stallone on Rocky Balboa when Perfect. he says when he says to his son, so it's not about how hard you can hit, rather how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. So if you believe in something, if, if you have like a passion, like a burning passion to, to try to do something and it's your goal and destiny and mission, you just have to remember that there's a lot of people fighting for the same or, or other dreams as well. And you just, like every, every error is a chance of learning and every, and every goal is like a small step on your journey. So embrace your failures and try to learn from them, try to come up a better person after those and don't give up because w what's the option? So if you give up, then then you are already lost. So, but also be like, I would say like be smart on, on your energy consumption. So it's kind of like pick the fight. Mm -hmm. No, so pick your battles, pick your battles as they say, exactly. So don't slim picking. It's just, so if you're going to waste and spend your energy like crazy, you will be defeated. And, and at the very end, but if you really believe in what you do and you try to go slowly and, and you start to build from there, I'm not sure if it, it will ever happen to you, like to you in like use in general, in, in general, the royal you. Yeah, I can have the royal you. <laughs> <laughs> I love being in, in, in Dublin because like, you listen now or, or, or in England because one doesn't do that. Well, that's one. It's just like <laughs> this type of third person speak. I, I find it very, very fun. Do you know that in Argentina, um, when they want to say like uh, to a kid that he has to behave or she has to behave, so like you have to be a British boy. Really? Yeah, it's true. It's true. Like, um, portate como un señorito inglés. Like, you have to be like a British boy. Like, that's the proper thing to do. <laughs> and uh, yeah, sorry, <laughs> I got detour there. But yeah, don't give up. Life is too short. So just like love to the most. And, and yeah. Okay. So uh, that was your three things, Sebastian. We talked about composition, story, and purpose. Um, do, would you have any advice for someone who wants to write music for film? Um, sure. Like for anyone who wants to start in... in, in film scoring, I would just say, like, learn your craft. Do it with passion. There's a lot of people who are hungry and doing there. So it's not something to do lightly. So, like, you, you can only do it, you can only arrive somewhere if you're, like, really committed and passionate to it. And it's going to be hard because... Even when you're playing, if you be like a singer-songwriter, like you're playing your songs and then you have to face this acceptance or not acceptance. But when you're a film composer, you have to show this to the director and then to the executives and then to the producers. And so it's like a huge list of people who are going to, to, to treat your music as, as an element that they might need or not. And sometimes in the rush, that can get not as polite as you would love it to be. Mm -hmm. So basically, you might hear your music is shit. And you have to understand that it's not your music that is shit. <laughs> I mean, maybe it is, but <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> but but 
maybe it's not like usually it's not it's just like maybe it was not the right thing and what they are trying to say like it's all these people they are on the same desperation boat and kind of like we're trying to get this project to the deadline and, and running to it so again recapitulating I'm sorry um, my advice would be learn your craft and do it um, as, as passionate and, and as committed as you can and don't give up because Like today's failure is tomorrow's success or or, or triumph. Mm -hmm. So uh, we you've brought in an instrument. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna mess this up now, but I'm gonna try and pronounce it. Ronoco. <laughs> Ronroco. Ronroco. Is <laughs> that better? Ronroco. No, it's not Tron. It's kind of like like Ron Ron Howard. Like Ron Roco. Ron Roco. <laughs> yeah. Close Cheers. enough. Yeah, close <laughs> enough. So uh, can you tell us just a little bit about it? Uh, sure. So um, this instrument um, is an original instrument from from Argentina, um, which doesn't mean that it's not used in, in, in Bolivia and in Peru and, and like in the surroundings of South America as well. Um, it's a very it's a very special instrument in the sense that it can be very very even though it's really really small it has 10 strings so it's kind of like five set of strings doubled and um it's very very magical in the sense that it can create a lot of different type of atmospheres and it can be very powerful and um It got noticed now um, in the in the latest years by a composer called Gustavo Santolaya. So Gustavo Santolaya is a great composer, and he has written the music of um, the Motorcycle Diaries or Babel and um, Brokeback Mountain and this game called The Last of Us. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, would you like to see us out by playing a little bit? Yeah. Thank you. 